0: You are listening to WHOA podcast coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WHOA GNV podcast, the coronavirus sessions, where our temporary mission is to save as many businesses and jobs as possible by sharing how your fellow business owners and professionals are navigating the impact of COVID-19. I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is Michael Dees.
1: I feel like you almost went into the English accent again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I had fun with Tom the other day, huh? When I when I went into the to the English accent. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I butchered it, so I apologize to Tom for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it I probably, was okay.
1: I, I probably won't try that again. I'd say I'd say you get a solid B minus on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Well, let's
0: uh, let's thank some sponsors. Yeah, I'm so grateful for our sponsors' support of the show, you guys. Uh, today Today's episode is brought to you by Gainesville Harley Davidson. Uh, you guys have heard us say it again and again, but Kevin, Emily, and the entire team at Gainesville Harley are great friends of ours. Um, Gainesville Harley is open as an essential business to help meet the parts, service, and transportation needs of the riding community. They have several options for pickup and drop-off services and have initiated a detailed and frequent cleaning routine to help staff and customers stay healthy. I absolutely love these guys. Reach out to Emily over there at M, this is her email address, by the way, at M-E-M at GainesvilleHarley.com or call them at 352-331-6363. And if you're ever passing through Tallahassee country and not, not really sure why you would ever want to do that, but but if you were... Uh, going to do so. Definitely stop in and see Tallahassee, Harley. They just ended up uh, buying that location, and I know Kevin's been spending a lot of time up there. I'm super excited. I, I can't wait to have them back in the future and kind of hear about uh, this growth and this opportunity, this expansion and the stuff that's happening in their world. But uh, definitely go go check them out. So there you go, Gainesville Harley. Thank you so much for your support. Appreciate you guys.
1: That's right. We also have, again, Kyle Cohen and the team at Leonardo's Millhopper. Our friends over there. Uh, we're gonna change up the script a little bit. I know we've talked about them uh, uh, through several of their sponsorships, but uh, the the weekly specials they have, have going on are incredible. They've got like manicotti Monday, lasagna Tuesday, it's like chicken parm Wednesday. Crazy! Plus, it all comes with an order of garlic knots, uh, which are my favorite, obviously. <laughs> if you see that on Instagram, I still uh, they, they had this like video of the slow garlic butter drizzle all over the garlic knots. He's it's like cruel
0: with it. Like he's like- yeah.
1: It, it really.
0: <laughs> it's like the slow. It's like slow motion. It's like just drizzle, right? Like, uh, oh man.
1: I, I love I, I love the erotic food pictures. It's, it's my favorite. <laughs> but rumor has it, lasagna Tuesday is blowing up. So uh, give him a call three five two three seven six two zero zero one, or you can order online at Leonardo's Millhopper dot com. You can also use three five two delivery dot com if you want to have it delivered. And heck, maybe one night we'll send Colin around. He can he can deliver. I'm sure he'll probably say it's only for a podcast family or I'll throw in some kind of caveat, we uh, but we'll send him out there to deliver some pies. What if you
0: and I like did like a podcast night with Leonardo's and then like let everybody order and like we just delivered the pies. I That'd
1: would be great, that. dude. You could dress up as Deadpool.
0: I could. <laughs> I do have a Deadpool basket. You
1: have Deadpool deliver some Leonardo's pizza. Anyway,
0: you guys, everybody, definitely tell these sponsors that you heard about them on our podcast because uh, we just, I mean, we really need their money. We need them to make sure that episodes, really great episodes like this one continue to come out. So now we're, but we're really grateful for them and their support. Uh, I'm super blessed to be in this community and have such a, fantastic community of support uh, of everything that, that we do with the dealership and with this podcast. So support our sponsors, you guys. And now, let's get into the show. I want to introduce to you my friend, Jeff Burge, Director of Talent Management at Exactech. Jeff, what is up, man? How are you? Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, Colin. Uh, welcome to the, my back porch. I uh, <laughs> really appreciate you coming here and uh, seeing us virtually, staying with the complete distance that we're supposed to. And Michael, nice to meet you uh thanks again for coming to the back porch you may see a cameo of my dog copper pop through here especially if anyone even has the audacity to walk by our backyard Uh, he will make an appearance and do his job of uh, warning us that there's humans elsewhere uh but looking forward to it should be fun few moments here with you guys
0: yeah man i really like your back porch i mean you have definitely got a cool setup you spend a lot of time out there working or what
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's a small house very small house yeah. and uh yeah because you know we're kind of on the downside of kids and all that we're grandparents now and all that so uh we have uh, been able to kind of downsize well didn't expect to be working at home all the time with uh my wife there's the dog now so there's a little copper um uh, <laughs> with my wife and our two um adult daughters who have come back because of COVID-19 and have uh, quarantined here so uh, we have to all find our little spots so we can do our work so mine has been the back porch for the most part and so it's now become my office and kind of wish this was my permanent office with the way it looks and the nice breeze and the weather so it's yeah. been a pretty nice uh, situation without a doubt
1: how has copper adjusted to having all these people here uh full-time
2: well, Copper expects everybody to be in the same room at the same time. So it really frustrates him when he sees someone over there and someone over there and all that. Cause he's like, well, if you guys would all come together, then I don't have to run around and follow everybody. I can just be where I'm supposed to be, which is surrounded by everyone at all times. So that stresses him out until we allow him into the pool. Now, when we open up the pool and let him get into it, then that's his, that's his haven. And he will swim all day long until the moment where he just passes out tired. So, <laughs> he thinks that's what we're here to do is to let him into the pool. So now dogs. he's marching back and forth by the pool going, why can't you let me in?
0: <laughs> the dogs are going to go into like a deep state of depression when everything goes back to normal. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to
0: be tearing wow. everything up. Oh One yeah. Healing for the animals when this <laughs> thing is over. So uh, <laughs> so Jeff, like why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your position at exact tech and kind of like the initial impacts this thing has had on, on you guys. Um, you know, like we're in, we're in May now, but hey, you know, like this, you know, a couple, couple months in, two and a half months in, like, yeah. you know, how, how did uh, things start going down for you guys? What were some of the initial steps that were taken? And just kind of a general summary, if you will. Sure.
2: Absolutely. So um, at Exactech, so the, what Exactech does is we make implants for patients. So knees and hips and shoulders, ankles, those types of products. So in the orthopedic industry, and we're a global company. So we're in a, a bunch of different countries, and, and we have um, employees that are in, in uh, across the world. We started seeing the shift in um, when COVID really started impacting. And it started, of course, in Asia, and then Europe got hit, and then the United States. Well, what happened was one of the first things that happened in all those locations was a um, cancellation of what is considered voluntary surgeries. So, not anything you know trauma-related or cancer-related or anything, but truly around you know surgeries that we just decide, hey, it's time for me to get this taken care of. And uh, total joint replacement is considered that type of surgery it's not life-threatening but it is life-enhancing so uh, all of our business just kind of went down um, and really impacted us immediately extremely fast Um, and we produce the implants we don't just design them and then have some other company somewhere else make them we actually produce them here in in the state of florida here in gainesville and in sarasota so we have manufacturing facilities uh, we have packaging facilities, quality inspection, um, so on and so forth, all is done within our, what we would say our four walls. So we immediately, our business um, really took an impact and got um, you know hurt pretty bad from the very beginning. So we immediately knew we had to do something. And in order for this company, which has never laid off an employee since it began in 1985, had to really say, okay, what is it that we're gonna do to make sure that this this company stays viable through this with all the question marks, right? We still didn't know what was going to happen. We still don't know what's really gonna happen long term. But when we saw elective procedure stop, we had to react. And to me, that was the important thing was what can we do to preserve the company but make some really tough decisions to do that. And um, we have always prided ourselves on being a pure orthopedic company. We didn't have a bunch of other companies that we owned or, or things that we were involved in. So our business got impacted immediately and it was severe. And so we had to take some of those steps. So unfortunately we did do what's considered a reduction in workforce. Um, and we did have to eliminate some positions. Um, very uncomfortable choice for us because that's just not who that's just not in our nature and so that was difficult but what we have seen is now that things are starting to come out of it that um, those decisions that had to be made have strengthened the organization it has made it more resilient um, through this and we think it's going to really be something that uh, to kind of catapult us into a a great growth stage coming out of this just again unfortunate that we had to even address it
0: yeah you said that um you know you saw what was happening kind of overseas or like the organization did i mean did you guys feel Mm -hmm. like you had some, some it sounded like you had some heads up i mean you guys were paying attention to that that kind of stuff i mean i feel like a lot of at least a lot of the small local businesses were very much like uh like coronavirus is here <laughs> closed, like here today, closed tomorrow type thing. How much, like, how much like lean, lead time did you guys feel like you had, um, you know, when you were looking at those other locations and stuff, it, was it like a
2: week, two weeks? Looking, looking back on it. No, looking back on it, it was probably about a, a 14 day kind of when we saw, we do have a location in Japan. Um, so they were the first ones that we said, "Uh Oh, you know, something's happening. And then we also have locations in Italy, which we know they have been, you know, really devastated by this, um, this virus. So that was our second one. And then right after that, Spain. So all these places that have been really hotbeds of this are in where we are, right? So, so we had to see, we saw it hit immediately and then quickly. And then of course, the cascade into the United States. So you would think that, oh, we've heard about this virus you know in in china kind of since the beginning of the year and then it really didn't affect the united states until march we didn't have that kind of lead time we never thought that um that surgeries would be canceled we never thought of the you know the impact that it would have within actual hospital facilities in and of of themselves so we didn't have that kind of foresight into thinking okay let's start you know reeling things back or changing things back in january february it hit us Literally in March, like everybody else, um, and until you re- until we realized the impact that it was going to have on production, that's when we started saying, "Okay, hold on, this is really going to affect our business um, in the long term." And so that's when we had to really make those really tough calls um, that affected a lot you know a lot of people.
0: Yeah, how many team members do you guys have? like how large
2: is the organization It fluctuates. Yeah, it fluctuates. We have um, in the in Gainesville itself, we have about 525 550 right now. Yeah. Okay. And then globally it's a bigger number, but the sales forces are odd and there's a, you know, the number kind of changes around. Yeah, but yeah, it's so right now in in Gainesville about 550.
0: So I mean, how much of a decrease in sales or like I mean with all these surgeries being mm-hmm. gone, but it like what was the financial impact of that? And I guess guess we're really trying to get to that with the question is, you know, how, how is the business sustaining if there, if there is no,
2: you know, is it just reserves like, or, or what? Sure. Sure. So, well, one of the things that, um, you know, not, can't really go into the sales numbers um, and say what it is that we lost, but it was a substantial amount. um, And it, and it happened so fast in, in the, at the end of March and the beginning of April, that's when we had to make that decision. So we had about a 10% decrease in that reduction in force. So that in and of itself, you know, with payroll and benefits and all those things was a, a significant um, way for us to try to come out of this, right? Um, we also took reduction in pay. So the entire organization, took pay cuts, and it depends on where your position was in the organization, how much of a pay cut you took, but every single employee in the organization took some type of pay cut in the United States, so those things combined with some other cost-saving things, you know, if maybe we had some really big projects that we were going to do that we said, well, we can't do those in 2020 now. We have been able to decrease all those expenses and and really kind of shore up financially where we think we can... Can manage through the rest of this year and until we feel like everything's going to pick back up. Well, I can tell you now that since those elective surgeries have started to come back online, our numbers are moving in the direction that we have planned. That they're moving in the direction that we have projected financially. That we see that we're going to come out of it and be able to hopefully make that one cut. What we had to do in a really difficult decision made and then move forward. So we look like our plan is on track right now.
0: I know that like you're really big into leadership development, um, you know, the growth, the growth of the people within the organization. Um, maybe you can comment on like the cultural impact that this has had and, you know, and, and, you know, how has, you know, how do people look at growth opportunities right now with something like this going on? Um, or is it just. Sure. Everybody, everybody stay in place and keep chugging along like I'm just kind of you know I'm just kind of yeah. curious about that how do you, how do you navigate that as
2: sure. somebody, you know well you curious. can imagine at first it was it was yeah it was a big change right um, so at first team leaders and and people that that were in leadership positions in the organization you, you first you got to make those tough decisions to make those tough calls, right? So so what are we going to do? What are we going to reduce? What are some of these programs we can't complete because of this, you know, new product innovation and all that kind of had to be paused, right? So first you have to make those decisions knowing that we're working in an environment that we're not used to working in. So do you then say, okay, as a team leader, my whole team is just going to press pause and we're not going to grow and we're not going to do new things. We're just going to kind of uh, tread water for a while or, Are you one of those leaders that say, this is an opportunity that we can really do some fantastic things that we probably weren't going to have time to do because the whirlwind of of the day would not allow us those kind of development and growth opportunities that we see now as a team or as even individuals. So what I did was really um, started leaning into our team leaders around, okay, we're dealing with some change here what are we going to do and how are we going to react and who are we going to be when we come out of it? And, you know, growth is a really interesting thing. Growth can be because you're forced into it or because you choose to do it. And I am definitely more from the school of choosing to do it. I am. I do not like being in the victim role where we call that being below the line where, you know, there's this line that below the line, everything is everybody else's fault. Well, you know, what do you mean you you want me to do that? You didn't say that in your email and you know, the pointing finger and that type of thing. We can point fingers at COVID all day long. We can blame COVID for everything that's going wrong in our organization. We can, anybody that decides to leave the organization, we say, well, the reason they're doing that is because of COVID, you know, we could do that all day long or we can go above the line and we can say, Here's what we're going to do because of the situation we're in. We're not going to look at it as this complete negative thing. How about because of COVID, which is the line, that above the line, we're going to do some things differently. We're going to be more effective in what we do. We're going to invest in the right things. We're going to invest in our people in a different way. You know, when we start recruiting people, we're going to recruit them differently in the future to come into our organization than what we've done before. We can kind of use this as that watershed moment to change things. And that way you're not a victim. And that way you have control and you have ownership of what's going on. That is what our team leaders are really hearing from our CEO and, and all the way through the entire organization is, you know, we are not gonna be victims of this. We are going to actually propel ourselves into a totally different stratosphere because of this. And that's the kind of where I get really excited. Obviously I'm getting all animated, my arms flying everywhere because this is where I find, um, the excitement. That's right. Uh, because if not, then, then you do get into this, you know, I'm just going to sit here and continue to take this blow and this blow and this blow and this blow, blow, instead of saying, no, where I'm going to push back on this, my team is going to be stronger because of it. My team is going to see that they can flourish in this time. And then that's what you do. Um, As a leader, you have to set that groundwork. You have to really show people how that looks and then what are those things we're going to put in place to make it happen. And we're in an odd situation at Exact Tech because we have an entire part of our organization needs to be there. And they have been deemed important people in our organization and actually the government. We've been working this whole time in producing product because we knew – when this COVID and and some of the restrictions were released, we had to have product available. So we've had people in our operation centers working this whole time. Then you have a whole nother group of people that we've said, okay, don't come in anymore. Right. We want you to stay home and do your job from home. So then how in the world do you balance culture with that? Right. You've got all these people that are coming in doing all this really important work for us, you know, skilled labor and, you know, these people that you just can't replace. And then you've got a whole other group that you say, if we don't, aren't doing all the back office stuff and making sure that all the electricity stays on and does all all, all the things that have to happen in order for our, our skilled labor and, and, you know, these people that are fantastic can go and do what they need to do so we can help patients. How in the world do you balance that? How do you keep everybody engaged? And how do you feel, um, how do they feel both sides of that feel valued? And that is where that leadership component comes into place where you are leaning into what your people need, who your people are, and what are the things we can deliver for them to make sure that that stays, um, kind of foremost at what we do on a daily basis. And that is where it gets really difficult. Yeah. I'm just thinking
0: <laughs> we're such a,
2: you know, it's so I, I compare
0: like what we were, we're going through to, sure. to an organization of like 500 plus, And I'm like, I mean, it's, you, you can't even really compare, but I'm like thinking, you know, on, even on a smaller scale, I'm like, man, the service department, like that's our, that's like right now. It's so essential. Mm-hmm. Like we got people working on scooters at the scooter dealership, that have to fix scooters, they need to be able to work on scooters. <laughs> so they're at, the, <laughs> they're at the dealership, like doing that. Yeah, work. Absolutely. And then like the yeah. sales and admin team, we're like you said, we're, you know, at home, we're working, negotiating sales, doing all these things behind the scenes, really keeping the lights on so that they can do mm-hmm. that work. So, I mean, it is, it is similar in in a way, but like, you know, it's, it I, is.
2: I, and I most companies are, are dealing with that. What's that? I said, And it is, because most companies are dealing with some dynamic like that, right? There's, there's someone that needs to be in the office to make sure everything works. Even if you're from a technology company standpoint, right? There's still somebody in there that has to make sure that all the components are working and happening, but then your sales people, or your admin people, your finance and accounting people, they don't necessarily need to be in the office all the time to get their work done, because now we do have technology at our fingertips that allows us to do that. But then how do you continue to build camaraderie between those groups? How does everybody know that, that because you get to experience something that I don't get to experience, that we're both kind of going through the battle together because the battles that we go through together is what builds those relationships. Those, those tough times that you can go back in a year from now and say, man, remember when we had to do this and remember when we had to do that? if, Neither of those groups can come together and kind of say, we have the similar story for this. Then what happens is you start having even even a broader kind of um, valley between the two. And you don't want that in an organization. You want those things to be together. You want everybody to experience those things together with their own story around it. And that is, to me, the key is allowing those stories to be told. What is it that our manufacturing group is dealing with today? let that story be told to the people that are now saying you've got to be home and you still have to be as productive as you were in the office, but you still need to babysit your kids and you need to deal with this home thing and that home thing. Oh, and food and you know, whatever it might be that you weren't dealing with before, how do those stories get passed along? So we're doing a lot of, um, of communities where we can kind of communicate amongst people and tell stories and show work, you know, work locations where you've got your computer sitting on a box as your new desk, right? Um, where everybody at work is trying to do the job they're doing, wearing masks and, and personal protective equipment. And so we're sharing all of those things within the organization so everybody gets a sense of what it is we're dealing with. We did a, a, an extensive interview with our uh, general manager of Italy when they were really going through the deep, deep tough part of this, our CEO and our general manager of Italy did this, did, did a Zoom call or a WebEx call, or you know, pick your, pick your uh, format there. Uh, they did one and it was really great to hear their perspective of what Italy was going through. So we had a sense of the same battle that they're battling. And that's how you keep that culture part moving in a direction that you had when everybody was kind of in it all together at the same time, same work environment, that type of thing.
0: Yeah, do you think that things, uh, when it goes back to normal, (laughs) I don't don't even know if that's a thing anymore, Um, but like, you know, now that you've had so many people working remote, right? Mm -hmm. Is there ever any chance at all that you figure out, you know, you're talking about bringing these these people together, these different elements of the organization together. You figure out a way to do that and like maintain some sort of remote lifestyle or is everybody back in an office and everybody's working it? Like, you know, because I, I, I'm kind of, right. I'm going to be really interested to see how many businesses go through this process and say, you know what, like we could save a lot of money if we put – you know, if we didn't have this big building and all these offices and we put more people at working remotely mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I see that definitely with even local, local business, smaller local businesses. Yeah. I can to, I could totally see a lot of restaurants, whether even Western restaurants thinking that maybe we don't need a dining room. People are now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they have now adapted to the fact that like takeout and takeout and delivery is a, a great way to to. Get dinner every night, you know. So I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Um, just some of your, some of your thoughts there. Is there any chance that exact tech comes out of this with a rem- more remote
2: lifestyle? Uh, we're working on that now. We're kind of analyzing where we are in that because it, it, it's interesting. If you think about it, you know, we have a, a, a big number of the people that we work for are engineers. So these are the people that are designing these products for patients or the instruments to put these products into patients, right? So there is no way to do that at home. You know, I don't care how cool your shop is in your garage, right? There is no way for an engineer to truly go in and say, is this product the right product you know for, for a patient? We we have an entire test lab at Exact Tech where we take these products and the Food and Drug Administration says, you know, a knee has to operate a certain way. And so we have to be able to test those things those kind of things are never going to be able to be done in somebody's home. Right. So there are certain aspects where at times it can be done at home, but other times you're going to have to be in there and you're going to have to roll your sleeves up and and get busy with developing a product. Um, That's what we're looking at now is how does that work? Is there a way that, you know, someone like myself in human resources, do I need to be in there every day? We don't know yet. Um, do our regulatory or compliance people or all the things that we have to do, do they need to be in the office having meetings with people here in Gainesville every day or can it not be? And so right now we're kind of in this flux of let's balance it. Let's let's figure out what we do need to do in-house and what can be done outside. And then how do we support that, right? So how do you at that point give them those people that are going to be home or what we would call a hybrid work situation. How is it that they're going to be safe moving forward? How are we ensuring that when they do come into the office that there is plenty enough space and we're not cramming everybody into one general location? Well, that's what we're looking at right now is is what does that look like?
0: Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that there's going to be a level of expectation now that we've all gone through this and that we go back to normal, to be like, man, like, you know, you know, I can work from home. Like, I've done it for the last <laughs> two months. You, you know, I can handle, you know, 70% of this okay. job, you know, like, why not let me work from home? You, like, have you guys even thought about, like, will there be yeah. that expectation and, and how to like mm-hmm. manage that?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're looking at that hard because the ultimate responsibility of an organization like ours is do we have all the things in place that is going to allow us to help the most amount of patients that we can possibly help? Can we get our technology and all of the cool things that we have in the hands of surgeons so they can help patients? if that is still your number one goal of a, of a company like ours, all the other stuff, all the back office stuff, all the other things should be able to adapt to what that is. Historically, that has meant everybody come in together and we're all going to work on this. Every marketing person, you know, every customer operations, everybody come together and let's do it all together. Well, what we're seeing now is that may not be the right answer. So because of the situation that we're in, Because of still having our purpose in mind, we're seeing that there are maybe some ways that we can change that. So is the organization adaptable to do that? That is where I kind of, when we start talking about all this is around the growth thing, right? Can the company grow in a direction that allows for that type of, of workforce that is hybrid, so to speak? Is it, Are we able to sustain who the company is and keep those values and that purpose still moving forward? And right now we're seeing that we're responding really, really well to it. And so we think that there is going to be some type of change. We just don't know what that is and to what extent. Um, Because we just, again, we still don't know what we're dealing with uh, on the outside of this thing. We know what we're dealing with today. And today we are doing a fantastic job. With achieving all the goals that we have set for us. And so right now we feel pretty confident that there will be some changes there, but we don't know what they're going to be. And we don't know if it's going to be a wide sweeping or if it's going to be by group or department or, or what have you. But um, the nice thing is, is that we have a group of executives and leaders and, and the company as a whole is willing to test the waters. We're not afraid to say, let's give it a shot and then reevaluate. Let's, let's really give it a true effort and then say, Hey, this didn't work. And so we're going to have to change it. And our employees are adaptable enough to do that. Um, They're not so set in their ways that it has to be done one way and one way only because we've been thrown this big curveball anyways. So people are are learning that they're going to have to do things differently, just like we all have in our personal lives. And so we're just trying to kind of emulate that uh, at the organization.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be excited to kind of s- to see what does happen. But you know, mm-hmm. I-, I guess that's what going through these trials and seeing how everybody's like really navigating it on the go, figuring it out as we go along, you know, I think it's really uh, that that flexibility obviously makes for a great organization, right. Um, so but it'll be interesting, you know, a year from now, two years from now to look back at this moment and be like, yeah, look at all the things that have impact, you know, all the things that we changed in our business because of that one, uh, that, that pandemic we went through two year, year ago, two years Absolutely. ago, five years ago. Um, I'm going to let, uh, Michael, wrap. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm kind of still on that,
1: on that topic. Cause that was something that was on my mind too. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see how we do come back from this. Cause I think there's a lot, a whole lot of people that are getting a taste of, uh, a, like a work-life balance integration, whatever your term of choice there is, um, mm-hmm. that maybe they didn't have before. And it is going to be a tough adjustment if they have to get thrust back into, you know, a normal, I'll say normal again, um, work life, but there's also going to be those people that, you know, like you said, work in the lab or for us that work on the scooters that don't have that choice to be able to work remotely. Yeah. So then it becomes a, uh, well, this person now gets the ability to work home and they could start comparing themselves to but this person does. So then you just, you know, ruin it for everybody and say, no, everybody's coming back to work. I think that whole <laughs> concept is just going to be fascinating to see how we, how we adjust. Um, because I do think that a lot of people are getting an integration and it doesn't matter whether it's a, an entry-level employee or an executive. I think there's a lot of people that are starting to, you know, they're, they're enjoying what it's like to some degree of, of, Mm -hmm. um, being able to work from home or, or see their kids or, you know, see copper every day, you know, whatever it may be, uh, (laughs) and, and get to have that, you know, more, maybe more healthier integration.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and we want to make sure that, that we are, um, we're hearing what they're saying. So what those employees are saying about, about their own kind of surprising themselves, how well they did, and, and, and how the balance worked for them, we want to hear that, right? And we want to really listen to what that has done for them from a – truly from a work satisfaction standpoint. Because if you can release some of that stress that they may be dealing with, you know, let's just say, let's just say they have an elderly parent living with them and before they leave the parent and have to come to work and they come home and something has gone on or, or the, the parent feels disconnected or, you know, they're dealing with what, whatever they might be dealing with um, with a parent that's at home that's elderly. And during this time they've been able to be there with them and the parent is now flourishing and the parent is doing so much better because someone is there more often As an organization, we want to hear that. And maybe those work hours for them changed a little bit. You know, maybe they were able to work from seven o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock, and then they needed to take a two or three hour break, but then work from two o'clock to seven o'clock at night worked out really well for them in this situation. We want to be able to listen to that and say, can this job be done that way? Can that job be done with those kind of um, uh, parameters released where we say, oh, you need to be in the office from eight to five and you better be, you know, be at our beck and call and that whole thing. Maybe if we can change that and see that work satisfaction levels rise when we allow for adaptability and the nuance of their job actually just went from this level to this level because they're now seeing that they can be more productive in a different way than they were before if we think about it, you know, when you, when you look at Mad Men and, and shows like that from years gone by, the water cooler thing has changed, right? They Used to, people would come in, they'd meet at the water cooler at eight o'clock, talk about what's going on, they'll work all day, and then they meet back at the water cooler at 4 or 4.30 to wrap the day up, right? All of that has changed. What if this kind of technology that we're, you and I and this guy we're talking about on today is the new water cooler, where you're checking in with your team once a today at this water cooler within allowing them to handle their business the way in their job and the things that they have on their their to-do list in a way that is more conducive for them than it is for the structure of the work days in, in the 60s and 70s. Maybe it's time to change that and maybe this is the way to do it. I don't know yet, um, but all I do know is, is we're trying it and my team is trying it. We've actually become I understand the people that work directly for me better now than I ever did when we were sitting in a, in a workspace because I'm putting my phone down. I'm not checking email when I'm doing the water cooler time now. Before someone would come into my office, my computer screens are there and I'm still kind of doing my thing while I'm kind of half listening to them. That stuff's changing. It's changing rapidly. So why don't we embrace that again? Not be victims, but why don't we embrace that and say, okay, how can we be better because of it? And that's, to me, the beauty of situations like this. This is true change management. When you go into the, the scholastic side of change management, that's what this is. The change is here, am I either going to accept it and do something about it, or am I going to let it affect me and just slow me down or stop me completely, or am I going to embrace it and do something differently with an idea that we're going to be better because of it? If we can do that as an organization, execics is going to flourish. They really, really will. Um, and so that's what we're looking at from an HR standpoint and an executive standpoint. What do we need to put in place to allow it to occur? Yeah, awesome. Dude, this has
0: been fascinating. <laughs> you know, like Mike, I'm thinking right, just some of the stuff that we've, you know, I would say up to this point, we've had a, a lot of the smaller businesses on, you know, in, in terms of now, like, I'm, I'm like, okay, let me transition. A little bit. Let me, I'm trying to get a couple of the larger organizations, you know, on the show just to kind of hear about the, the the impact and and some of the changes that they're doing. Cause I got to imagine, especially from a cultural standpoint, like something like this definitely has, uh, has a significant impact. So uh, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you guys have been navigating it fairly well, given the circumstances and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's super, super interesting to me for sure. So I uh, grateful for for your time today.
2: Sure, man. I appreciate it.
0: It's been fun. Got to r- wrap it up, but Mike, I- anything else?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll go one last one. You know, a lot of people they've been able to create a little bit of time uh, with this, whether it's going back and forth the meetings that have been kind of shelved and everything like that. Have have you found more time, and if so, how have you invested it?
2: I to be completely honest with that, I have not um, have not found more time because I do a lot of one on one leadership development. Uh, with our leaders. So I work a lot with our leaders around ways for them to either come out of a touchy situation or they feel like they're getting into one or or whatever. So I'm doing a lot of these, a lot of video conferences with team leaders around what can my next steps be. So downtime has not necessarily uh, been part of what I've found during the COVID 19 crisis, uh, I have actually feel like I'm probably putting in more hours because it's so much more intentional. There's no longer the opportunity for me to be walking down the hallway and bump into somebody and sit down for a couple of minutes and have a call or a talk, excuse me. Now it's a a scheduled call, right? And so they're going to fill up that 30 minutes or 45 minutes with a bunch of information for me, and I'm going to give them a bunch of feedback and a bunch of ideas, which we would never have done before, right? We would just have done it in passing. So the downtime side of what my job has been has really been more of I have to take it. And if I'm going to take that and say, all right, I've got to shut this computer down. I've got to get off my phone. I've got to quit doing emails for a while. It's what am I doing in those moments that I have? If it is around, okay, how am I going to refresh and, and kind of recharge my batteries? Well, then I'll go help my wife with a project or I'll go do something else with my family to allow me to do that. Where before it was, you know, you're driving home and disconnecting from work, right? So whenever, you know, it was automatic that you were pulling out of it. And then it, was, then it was a conscious effort to jump back into it. When you work from home, and I did it for 20 years before i doing what I'm doing now, You have to shut it down. You have to turn this thing off and your computer off and everything off and disconnect or it just kind of monopolizes your time because it's always right there. And that is where people are struggling because they feel like since it's here, I might as well go in there and do another hour. Well, that turns into three. So we've been working a lot with our team around time management. Be in and be mature with your time. So being mature with your time means I'm going to skip set, schedule these three hours to take care of this task. If I'm not done with it, then I may need to shut it down and go do something else. Because if not, I'm just going to drive myself crazy. So downtime, has not I haven't necessarily found, you know, more time to start needlepoint or anything, but uh, uh, <laughs> it, has been, it has been a learning experience. I can tell you that because I've never been in a situation where everybody um, has had to adapt. You know, it'd be different if you were the only one working from home. But when you see the majority, and we're about fifty percent of our workforce is, is is virtual right now compared to on-site, um, it has been a trip.
0: Okay. It's good.
2: <laughs> I mean, just seeing all
0: all of this and just all the the things that have been going on for you guys has been great. This has been. I think it's going to be super valuable to our listening audience for sure. It's been for me. Great. I could, I could keep going. Honestly, I got like, I got like, <laughs> I've been like writing, uh, question, <laughs> questions on all these posts. It's all I had was a post-it pad and I just keep writing questions and writing questions down, but, uh, definitely, uh, we'll, we'll have to do a, a catch up at some point in the future and, and to hear how things have happened. Sure. So cool. It'd be great. Yeah. Thanks so much again for joining us, man. Sure. Uh, my definitely, pleasure. Definitely appreciate your time. And, um, you know, just keep on keeping on, you know, (laughs) I guess that's all we can really do do Through a time like this. So, well, everybody world Gainesville, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to our sponsors. Thank you to the community for your support. Um, Just super grateful for all of you guys. This is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go. Whoa. Give us your best. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) we will see you later everybody bye